Welcome to season three of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. My name is Amy Wheeler and I'm your host. We are so happy to tell you all that's happening in the world of yoga therapy. And we love to find guests from all over the world so that we can share and learn and grow together. Some of the things that are happening in season three that we find so exciting is that not only are we continuing with the free gift that we are giving out every single week in season two, and you can see more about that in the show notes, but now we are adding a YouTube channel and you can see all of these podcasts on video. The YouTube channel is called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. Some people like to watch video maybe you want to use it for one of your trainings these videos on youtube will be there for you to use for free we would love your support we have opened up a patreon page that is going to help the podcast flourish and grow you can help us to expand and grow and create more content for you and we'd love for you to visit the patreon page which is called optimal state and yoga therapy hour podcast so let's go into our guest today and please nourish yourself take time for yourself and really relax into listening to the podcast hello this is amy wheeler and in this episode i'm going to be here all by myself and you might hear me pause a little bit. You might hear me speak slowly. And there's a reason for that. It's because I'm having a little bit of a time managing my own tongue in my mouth. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but as you might have heard in our last episode on living a life in alignment, I had let you know that I would maybe be taking some time off because I needed to have surgery on some oral cancer that had been discovered around May 10th. And so now it's been about three weeks since the surgery. And luckily we had some backup episodes ready to go to kind of fill this gap. But as I said to you in our last time together, I will see you on the other side. Well, now I'm on the other side. And what they found when I had the surgery, you never know if it's going to be stage one cancer, stage two cancer, three or four. But thankfully, what they found is that it was only stage one. And they needed to remove about 15% of my tongue. Now, that doesn't sound like very much, but I have to tell you, it's a little bit painful. It's hard to talk. My brain gets tired because my brain power is being used to manage my, my tongue. <laughs> and I'm really hungry. <laughs> Those are my main problems. So I just wanted to let you know that this episode might be a little bit shorter than some of the others due to me honoring my body and wanting to connect with you and let you know where I am, but also knowing that it's still a time for me to rest after having 15% of my tongue removed. 
So what I want to talk about today is a very yogic concept that I have had three weeks lying in bed most of the day, because I, I really did lie in bed most of the day to give my body full capacity to heal itself after the surgery. But what I want to show you is the four aims of life, according to Indian philosophy. And that is artha, kama, dharma, and moksha. And I've really been reflecting on this quite a bit because as I went into surgery for this oral cancer, I didn't know for several weeks between the diagnosis and the surgery, I didn't know what stage I had. I didn't know the prognosis. I didn't know if it was going to spread, all of those things. So during that several week period, I had a chance to really reflect on my life and and ask myself, if this doesn't go well, are you, are you okay? Are, are you ready for the next stage, whatever that is? And as it turns out, I am ready for the next stage, whatever that is for me. But the reflections that I had really, I think are important reflections for all of us as yogis to have, because when we reflect on death, it gives us a new lease on life. And that's what I feel like I have, a new lease on life. And that new lease on life is based around these four aims of life. So like many of you, I started off life. There were some very challenging and difficult things in my childhood that I'm not going to go into here. But one of them is that I grew up in, in poverty. We had six children in our family. I was the youngest and my father was a minister and I think he got paid $19,000 <laughs> to raise a family of eight people. And so this idea of one of the aims of life being wealth and the ability to support ourselves so that we are sustainable, that has been a really challenging area for me to master in this life. And I think a lot of yoga teachers would say the same, that they want to do this good work in the world, but they're having trouble supporting themselves. And so the first thing I want to say about artha or wealth is that a lot of our perception around worthiness, around survival, around trusting the universe or whatever it is that you go to for your support and nourishment, whatever name you want to call that, that is a really challenging thing for us. Do we kind of sell out and, and make money our God? Maybe. Or can we learn to live a simple and sustainable life? Hopefully as yogis, less distraction. And can we even find a way to provide for ourselves in 
yoga, which some people would even argue shouldn't even be a profession. It shouldn't be something that we're making money off of. I I don't believe that. I feel the world needs yoga and that the work that we do needs to have a prana exchange. But I think the attitude that we approach our yoga teachings, yoga business with is super, super important. And that is that there is a prana exchange. Prana will come in to nourish us and prana will go out to nourish others. This prana could be in terms of finances. It could be in terms of friendships. It could be in terms of travel, experiences, spiritual nourishment. There's a lot of ways to have abundance. And so one of the things that I realized within the last few years is that I have a very abundant life. But in my mind, abundance meant financial security. <laughs> and and that was something that I didn't always have in my life. And so I think that's worth examining. What is wealth? What does abundance mean to you? And what are you willing to give in order to have that security? I always think of it as this is kind of our first, second, third chakra issues. And what is it that I'm willing to give up in order to have my security and my safety needs met? Now, one of the problems with not feeling secure and safe in this area of wealth and abundance is that we have a shifted perception. We communicate in specific ways. We sell ourselves out in order to get this wealth or this abundance or this security, if you will. And so the first thing that I want you to reflect on today, and this is your homework, is where have you sold out? Where have you abandoned yourself? Where have you not kept your dignity in order to get that safety and security that is so needed by so many of us. So that's number one. I, I have done a lot of reflection on that. And what I've come to, just kind of the Cliff Notes version, is that every time I abandoned myself, I never got what I thought I wanted as an outcome anyway. So I, I lost in being true to myself, but I, I never got the safety and security because if I had to abandon myself to get the safety and security, it's, it's not right action. It's taken me a long time to learn that. And so now I think of this area of artha or wealth as what can I empty out from? What can I de-link from? How much space can I create and wait for the right thing to come to me, the thing that is in alignment with me, that will help me have security and abundance, the thing that will not ask me to abandon myself or lose my dignity. That is the key that I have discovered. And I'd like to know what you discover when you do this reflection. And the last thing I'd like to say about Artha, reflecting on this need for safety and security is are we making ourselves sick by working too much? I know that is part of what contributed to my illness is this idea of 
workaholism and I've got to do more and I can't let anybody down and I have a deadline and, you know, all that stuff. And what I've now realized is that it's all negotiable. I didn't think it was before my diagnosis and surgery, but as I move forward in the life that I'm planning for myself, this new life that I can now structure, I'm going to work a whole lot less. I'm going to hold so much more space open for those things that are actually right alignment. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I think there's a sensation that we feel in our bodies when it's right alignment versus mm, average alignment or even not so great alignment. So I really want us to pay attention when we say yes to something or when we're trying to decide if we should say yes to something, how does it feel viscerally in your tissues, right? The next aim of life that I'd like to discuss is comma or enjoyment, also your desires. Now, this is so interesting. It's very connected to providing for ourselves surviving, safety, security, because oftentimes when we have those first and second and third chakra issues around poverty mentality, scarcity, fear that we're not going to have enough, we oftentimes shut down the enjoyment factor of life. And we don't allow ourselves the time and space to connect with loved ones, to be in nature, to take days off, to truly find the simple pleasures of life. And, and that was my biggest aha moment in this whole cancer diagnosis, surgery, still in recovery. And as I move forward is that I haven't paid much attention at all to enjoyment outside of work. I love my work. Don't get me wrong, but I really need to cultivate what does joy on a daily basis mean to me? And, and I don't want to do that from a place of entitlement and privilege. I want to do that because it is the, the sole purpose of our life. If we, if we go back to the Upanishads and go to the, the Panchamaya model, and we've got the five layers of the human system from physical to subtle body, to mental, emotional, to wisdom, body, personality, all the way into the emotional or, or even the, the bliss body, if you will, as you work through those five layers of the human system described in the Taittiriya Upanishad, what a lot of people don't know is that there are five birds that go through the five layers and each bird is one of the five layers, but within that bird, there's a head, there's a tail, there's two wings and there's a body. And we had a whole episode on this with Narithya from Krishnamacharya Yoga Mandram, if you'd like to go back to that. But the bird that's at the center, the very deepest bird, the one that is the most profound has everything to do with joy. It has everything to do with remembering joy, cultivating joy, being with joy. It, there's nothing more important in our lives than finding that joy. And so to have this realization that I 
personally have kind of shut down that that layer, that joy layer, as well as the the comma, one of the aims of life, in order to create safety and security, that that made me really sad. It is all of our birthrights to find and experience that joy. And that is not a luxury. That is not something that only those of us with privilege get to experience. That is something that all of us need to make as a main priority in our lives. And through this experience, I honestly felt like it would be okay if I didn't make it. I would be sad. Don't get me wrong. But I was most upset that I hadn't listened to the Taittiriya Upanishad and cultivated enough of that joy in my life. And so going forward, that is really high on my priority list is to have that enjoyment to experience some fulfilled desires, uh, try not to get too caught up in them, but to really have this human experience that I'm a spiritual being and a human body and that Purusha, my soul, actually wants to live through my Prakriti, my physical, mental, emotional body and experience joy in this life that that's a thing that needs to happen. (laughs) So that is like a big deal for me moving forward. And it will inform everything. It will inform what I say yes to in terms of my work. If it doesn't look joyful, it is not with people that I think will be really fun to work with, then I'm probably not going to do it. In terms of my relationships with family and friends, I'm going to have better boundaries and do things that actually promote joy. Maybe be less of a people pleaser in order to allow myself to have some joy in this life. Just making lists of things that make me joyful, activities, passions, skills I'd like to develop, things I'd like to do. It's really exciting to think about what makes me joyful And what could I do that I haven't done? Like I love pottery and sculpting. There's a little pottery place in town. I'm like, I need to go become a member of the pottery place (laughs) and, and really experience the clay in my hands and the glazing of the pots. So those types of things are going, they're not going to be the luxury. They're, they're actually part of this beautiful human experience that I have not allowed myself to, to have to this point. Some of you are so much better at that than I am. And I I look to you as my guides, my joyful guides. Dharma, the third aim of life, right action, dharma. This one, I feel like I've really spent a lot of time and energy. I've figured out what my gifts are. I've worked as hard as I can possibly work in order to contribute to my family and my society to do my best to have right action and have corrections when I don't do well, ask for forgiveness, learn from my mistakes, 
I feel in that area, I have succeeded for my personal svadharma, my right action. I feel like this is one that maybe the one that I've mastered out of the four, right? So I'm, I've already said that working with abundance and wealth has been a lifelong challenge to me and I'm learning to master it now. I have done horribly at Kama or enjoyment, but Dharma, yeah, I got that one. So I think this is one that a lot of people actually have trouble with, not because they don't have the heart of a steward, right? I think so many of us are really good at giving and and being of service to humanity. But what I see in the Optimal State Business course is that people have trouble cutting away what is not needed the things they shouldn't be paying attention to, the things that they have always done but are actually aren't within their dharmic trajectory. People have a lot of time cutting all of that away and delinking from it to see what is left in terms of these are my primary gifts, this is how I can be of service, and make a sustainable living while I'm doing that. So I find that interesting that Finding our dharma oftentimes has more to do with what we take away than what we add in. And I always tell the students in the business course, the statue of David, right? This beautiful statue of David, it was chiseled out of a marble block. And that Michelangelo had to chisel and chisel and chisel and take away and take away and take away to finally allow David to emerge. And that's basically what I think we need to do to find our life purpose, the way that we can contribute to the world while still caring for ourselves and our family and creating a sustainable living. So your homework around your dharma is what do you need to let go of? And I have so many students that, you know, I can't let go of my Monday, Wednesday, Friday yoga class that I've been doing for 15 years that pays $12 an hour. (laughs) And I understand the connection. And if you can do that out of charity from from your heart and and you have enough to sustain yourself to keep that, that class and be of service, of course, keep it. But if if you're telling me that your life is not sustainable, then I would say, what is it going to take to delink from that particular responsibility? Let someone else come and take over that responsibility that is in, in alignment with the needs of that class and those students, creating that space to open up for you to find your right alignment that's going to allow you to be of service in a sustainable way over time for your health, as well as your finances, as well as your time and energy. So that is really hard for us, I think. And this is a very Descacharian viewpoint that maybe our yoga is about what we're delinking from, what we're letting go of, much more than what we are linking to. 
that maybe in the in the beginning stages it's cleaning out providing that space so that we can align with something that is is right for us so think about that think about what does that mean to you for me whenever i'm having trouble delinking i do an entire house cleaning i go through every drawer i go through every closet i start getting rid of furniture i i clear my space on a physical level to allow space on a mental emotional and spiritual level and i swear when i'm doing these crazy house cleanings my my husband just shakes his head at this point <laughs> i get a big dumpster and i just either put it in there or bring it to goodwill or find friends that that need things you know it is part of my mental emotional spiritual cleansing to go through all of the physical objects one by one and say does this give me joy is this being used why do i have this <laughs> uh, realizing the things that i've brought in that just make no sense that physical manifestation of cleaning out helps me personally to mentally emotionally and spiritually cleanse at the same time so that might be a nice thing to do if you're having a little trouble with the delinking and and letting go just start cleaning your house like crazy and see if that helps all right and then the fourth aim of life moksha or liberation and i think this is something that most of us yogis are interested in although maybe with our more modern westernized view of yoga as asana not so much but i would say that many of us in yoga and yoga therapy we understand that the final aim of life is to surrender to let go to become one with the trees and the sky and the earth to understand how we are all connected interconnected that my suffering is also yours and your suffering is mine and when i do something to you that hurts you i am actually hurting myself part of this liberation is to let go of our expectations let go of our need to be right let go of even our desires the the gunas of rajas tamas and sattva in the mind they will never come to that still point until that final breath when we finally let go and one might argue that our entire life is just a preparation for that final surrender so i think this kind of goes back to dharma or or right action in our lives and what i've just asked you to do which is to kind of start delinking and creating space and it leads right into this idea that we do not get to keep this body i don't get to keep this tongue <laughs> at least now i only have 85% of my tongue i don't get to keep anything 
And can I gently allow that to be my truth? Can I let everything be as it is in this moment? I think that's one thing that I really, really understood deeply going through the process of a diagnosis, waiting several weeks to get into surgery before I could find out the true prognosis. Of course, thinking about how long I'll be on the earth during those couple of weeks, and then finally coming out of the surgery and realizing I probably will be here a a lot longer, I hope. All I could do during that month was be in the moment with what is here and now. And it stripped away so much of the extraneous noise in my life. And it made me understand illness stripped me down in such a good way. And there's even a part of me that is afraid I'm going to lose that feeling, that feeling of what does it feel like to be empty, to not have ground under my feet, to not know what the future holds, that all I have in this moment is my connection to God, my relationship with my family, especially my husband and my animals and my parents. The only thing I have is in this moment, that's the only guarantee. Although, of course, we've all learned that intellectually, I think when you go through an experience like this, it becomes an embodied feeling. And now, believe it or not, not that I want to go back through this again, I do not. Universe, listen, I don't want any more. But I do want to keep this feeling that I can just be here in the present moment with what is. And I'm, I really don't want to go back to the anxiety about the future or the grief about the past or the expectations or the, I'm going to build this empire for myself, like all of that. I don't want any of that. I want to stay with this feeling of vulnerability, tenderness, compassion for myself and others, and just present moment awareness. That's that's really probably as close to moksha as I will get in this this lifetime. Who knows what the future holds? It's kind of irrelevant. But I do know that when a life event strips everything away, there's a strange preciousness if we can get through the grief of, of having all of it stripped, there is a preciousness that is there that is strangely very sweet. I can't even explain it through words. I'm sure many of you have felt this in your life. Someone said the other day that when they had cancer, it was almost a relief that they just got to lie there and rest for several months and have everybody take care of them. And it was one of the best experiences of their lives, right? So I think there's a lot of good that can come out of of these types of times in our life 
It's for us to look at that goodness and to kind of emerge like a lotus flower from the mud and the muck into something more tender, more beautiful, more vulnerable, more gentle, more present, letting go of all the noise and competing ideas about who we need to be and how we need to be and how can we please everyone and how can we do more and be more. There's something really beautiful about allowing ourselves to just sit on the top of the water like a lotus flower, receiving the soft rays of the sun, being nourished by that mud and muck that is coming up from the ponds (laughs) below us and feeding us. So I just want to leave you with that image that you are the lotus flower. I am the lotus flower. And this present moment awareness is really all all that there is. And I don't have much more to say and my tongue is getting very tired now. So this is a little bit of a short episode. I'm hoping that by the time I have another seven to 10 days before the next guest comes out, that I will be much more fully healed and ready to get back on track with our regular podcast. Lastly, I just want to say thank you for all of your love and support. This community has just shown me an outpouring of love during this time that I never knew existed. There's so many people that I just know I'll have a a long-term heart connection with because of all that's been going on and, and how much love and support has been coming my way. So I want to thank you all. And I look forward to having a long, healthy life to continue all of the good work that we're doing together in the world. Please don't forget to sign up for our newsletter mailing list, where we give you a free gift every single week. It's usually something that the guest has been talking about, like a book chapter or an article or an infographic. Check out the show notes for that. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, we have a new YouTube channel called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. We also have a new Patreon page where you can support us to bring you the most excellent content. And that is Optimal State and the Yoga Therapy Hour Patreon page. Also, you could write us a review on most major platforms that host podcasts. Give us five stars if you appreciate the show and tell us what you love so that we can do more of that. Finally, we support several nonprofit organizations through this podcast. See the show notes to understand how you can help. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor for this program, contact us at the email welcome at theoptimalstate.com. Welcome at theoptimalstate.com. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. 
Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.